Welcome to LDS Perspectives Podcast, where we interview amazing LDS scholars about Mormon history, doctrine, and culture. This is Laura Harris-Hales, and I'm here today with Stephanie Sorensen to talk about an incredible study guide that she compiled to aid us in our study of Christ from the scriptures. It's called Learn of Me, Jesus Christ in the Topical Guide, an Annotated Study Workbook. First of all, Stephanie, welcome back to the microphone. Thank you. It's fun to be here on the other side of the table. <laughs> yes. For longtime listeners, you may recognize that voice. Stephanie did some podcast interviews for us the first year we were on the air, and she did a delightful job. She did actually some of my favorite interviews ever. And what have you been up to in the last couple of years besides writing a book? What have I been up to? I am still teaching at BYU, teaching in Church History and Doctrine, Living Prophets classes. I'm currently redesigning, rewriting the Living Prophets online class for BYU, and that's been an exciting writing and design adventure. And this book, trying to get it done and out there and navigating the publishing world and seeing if it was going to work, and now here we are. Talk to us about this course that you've been teaching for years at BYU. It's called Teachings of the Living Prophets, correct? Yeah, just The Living Prophets. The manual's called Teachings of the Living Prophets. The course is The Living Prophets. I've been teaching it for about five or six years, and I love it. How do you prepare to teach The Living Prophets? On the church website, they have the page that has kind of the latest teachings of the prophets, their travels, things like that, that they update as well. I just try to keep track of all of those things. I am constantly collecting resources that I think I can plug in and share in classes. It's a unique class at BYU because our curriculum changes every six months. So it's not one where I can have a PowerPoint done and save it for the next 10 years. I can with some topics where we talk about the role of living prophets in the church, church governance, the role of the quorums, their responsibilities and duties. But as far as teachings, constantly changing. I would think that that would be a popular class to teach just because there is so much freedom in what you get to talk about. You don't have a set curriculum. It's very interesting. I follow you on social media. And one time before, you know, in April or, or October, I can't remember which, you posted a statement. You said, general conference is my love language. I thought that was so awesome. What do you mean by that? Absolutely. We all have different spiritual language. There's a scripture in Second Nephi when it talks about the angels and the spirit. It says that God speaks to man in their own language. And I think that we all feel the Holy Ghost in different ways. We have spiritual expressions that come in different ways. And for me, General Conference is where I feel like I get very direct, clear counsel, answers to my prayers. I just feel really empowered by the truth that comes through General Conference, how it, it gives me this filter of confidence that I can use to interpret all of the information that comes from all directions. And I just, I love that. I really feel anchored in that. And General Conference just makes me happy. 
With that in mind, in the preface to this workbook, you talk about an invitation from President Nelson to study the life of Christ. And some of us might remember that conference talk. Can you tell us a little bit about your reaction and when you first heard about this request? Okay. So the very first time that he gave the request was actually in January of 2017 at a worldwide devotional for young adults. So it was a challenge he gave to the young adults of the church first. And at that time, it was in a devotional that he gave about prophets and divine law. And that's where he kind of outlined the promises that would go along with completing this challenge. And he said that um, if we would undertake a study of Jesus Christ, of everything that he said in the scriptures, and he encouraged us to start by using the topical guide, that we would feel a greater love for the Savior and for divine laws, that there would be an increase in power to resist temptation and also to be protected from the dangers in in the world around us. And so One of the things that I always have my students do when they listen to conference talks, we use a method we call TAP, which is Truth, Application, and Prophecy. And so I'm always paying attention to those things because in the roles that they have as prophets, seers, and revelators, they can, because of seership, make promises of things that will come in the future and give warnings. I always tell students, pay attention to them fulfilling that role. If they give promises, there are things that they're asking us to do to claim those promises. And so I just thought it was really interesting that he was basically creating an if-then scenario, saying, if you will study this, then these blessings are available to you and will become manifest in your life. So that always grabs my attention. And I thought, that's, that's cool. That's cool that that's something, you know, we all know that scripture study is important having a specific direction of one way to study the scriptures and promise blessings associated with that challenge to me is intriguing. And I think, okay, that's a cool another way that I could approach my scripture study, learn something different, and at the same time, claim some prophetic blessings. Then it was in an April conference where he extended it to the general membership of the church. He referred back to the challenge he'd given to the young adults, and now he was doing that. And so that made me feel kind of a little more urgency, whereas perhaps My first attempt had been interesting, fun. I'm going to give that a try. And maybe I was a little more casual about it. But another thing I always teach my living prophet students comes from President Eyring, safety and counsel. He says that when the words of the prophets seem repetitive, that should rivet our attention. And so when the challenge was given a second time, I thought, better get on this and really do it. And now that's the difference between you and me, (laughs) because I remember that challenge very clearly as well. And I thought, okay, he opened up the topical guide and he went down the list twice, maybe three times I would do it. I just know myself. And so I didn't even try. (laughs) And so that's the difference. And but you did. You took the challenge on. You're like, there's going to be blessings here. So this is a totally unfair question. Okay. Here you go. Tell us a little bit about your experience studying Christ in the topical guide. Okay. So for me, it became like a really focused study. And because I knew that there was a potential publication, I also had a deadline. And so I was working very quickly and intensely on it. And so I was spending a lot of time in the scriptures looking at these verses and also finding related resources. As I did that, I really did feel 
like I was learning more about the Savior Jesus Christ. I feel like I know a lot about him. I've done a lot of gospel study, but the focus and the intensity of it, I think for me, the thing that I got out of the study the most was my trust in him increased. Because as I became more and more familiar with his many attributes, many roles, and just the fact that he promises over and over again that he will and has completed what he's been sent to do as our savior, redeemer, advocate, all of these things, those repeated promises and repeated definition of those roles gave me a greater confidence in him that all of the gaps and the holes and the shortcomings and the difficulties in my own life can really be filled by him. And that was kind of where my testimony grew in that. And like President Nelson promised, the idea of having an increased love for divine law, I think that my appreciation for law commandments increased because of my increased trust in him in the sense that I realize that he really is trying to help me to become who I am supposed to be. And so I, I felt less resistant to laws that he dictates or lays out for us to follow as guidelines. They felt more like blessings because I had a better sense of who he was and what he's trying to do with me and for me. You mentioned that when you were in the midst of this study that you were on a deadline because you knew you were going to publish a workbook. But obviously you didn't start this studying thinking, oh, I'm going to publish a workbook with Covenant (laughs) and I need to have a transcript. So at what point in your studies did you tell yourself, you know, I am doing a lot of work here that I would like to share with my brothers and sisters. Yeah, I I can't remember the specific conversation that it came from, but I do know that the way that I approach gospel study, just because of my general conference love language and teaching living prophets, is that even when I am studying the scriptures, I incorporate a lot of modern scripture. And so as I was studying certain topics, talks and ideas would come into my mind about, oh, Elder Renland has talked about this. Or I remember that Elder Ballard gave a talk where he spoke about this role of the Savior a lot. And so I would kind of study it all together as my memory would take me to different places. I had a conversation with someone at the time about my studying, and they said something along the lines of like, oh, I could never do that. I don't know how you even think about all that stuff. Like, They thought it was cool, but they just, that just felt like an approach that was way beyond their ability. And I thought to myself, well, that's easy for me. And because I'm in that space where I teach and I'm studying conference regularly, I make connections when I, when I'm spending time in the scriptures, I can see how they're related. And it felt easy and natural to me, but realizing that it wasn't easy or natural to someone else, I thought I could give people the resources. It's easy to come out of my head and put down, oh, this talk goes with this topic and with these verses and it's related. And this verse is actually in the title of this general conference talk. So the whole talk is about that, you know, things like that. I just kind of had the inkling of an idea that maybe if I just kept track of all of the resources I was using, I could create a tool that would help other people to really enhance their study of the scriptures by using other resources that both reinforce, testify, and give witness to those principles. 
You've told us a little bit about your research process. It was almost like your teaching at BYU was part of the research that you didn't even know you were going to use later for this workbook. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you did? in compiling this workbook as far as research and writing? Sure. So, like I said, some of that came kind of easily and naturally. But once I had the green light about publishing, I was a little bit more intense in looking for different things. So where I didn't have thoughts that would come to mind or I couldn't find connections, I would go out and do searching. And I used the church website and... My very favorite website is the LDS Scripture Citation Index. This is my, I tell my students, if I could marry a website, this is the one. And what's, just tell us what <laughs> okay, the link I'll tell you about that. It's, is to that. It's a database that was put together by two professors at BYU. I believe they're actually in a completely different department, business or something like that. I really need to send them cookies. But they created a database that mined all of the general conference talks since the beginning of the restoration. So even like the teachings of Joseph Smith, the Journal of Discourses, things like that. And they went through and they created a stockpile of data where any time a scripture was referenced or footnoted or mentioned or quoted in any of those talks, they linked those to the corpus of the standard works. And so in the website, which is scriptures.byu.edu, it's also an app, both for Apple and Android products, LDS Scripture Citation Index. They have where you can read the actual scriptures on that site, but they also have a database where you can click on any scripture and it will list for you every talk that has ever quoted that scripture. And you can click on the list and it opens the talks right there in a sidebar and it highlights exactly where it's being quoted. And so one of the best ways for me to study scripture is that when I'm studying, if phrases or words or thoughts or concepts kind of stand out in my mind, which I believe is the Holy Spirit that's kind of focusing you on things you need to learn and study about or that you have a capacity to learn more about, then I love to use that index to pull up more about that verse and see what have prophets and apostles taught about it. That played a huge role in my research process that as I was going through all of the scriptures in the topical guide, because the topical guide is just lists of scriptures. And so as I would come across certain scriptures, I would especially the ones that kind of felt powerful and meaty to me, I would look them up in that citation index and just kind of mine through the talks and find what I thought were kind of jewels of little quotes or ideas that helped clarify or intensify the power and meaning of that scripture. One of the roles of living prophets is a seer. And we know that a seer is someone who can interpret and translate scripture. We often think of that in terms of like taking things from, you know, reformed Egyptian into modern English. But seers also can take scripture and interpret them and expound upon them in ways that we understand them anew, afresh, and are able to get a greater depth of meaning from those scriptures. The other thing that I used is where I Still wasn't in some areas and some scriptures, I felt like I wanted to have more resources available to direct people to. I did a lot of searching using the Religious Studies Center website at BYU. 
Which I think is the world's best kept secret. It's awesome. Not only do they have like resources from their religious educator, which is their magazine, but after a few years, the books they publish, they put online for free. Right. So just saying. Yeah. Go there. Yes. So they have books, they have the religious educator, they link through to BYU Studies and the Maxwell Institute as well. All of that is kind of incorporated in their research. They also publish the transcripts from their symposia. So like the Sperry Symposium, their Easter conference, where, you know, general authorities and experts and religious scholars have come in and given talks on certain topics and concepts. Those are all published and accessible there. So I would sometimes go there and type in some keywords and just look at what articles would show up and just kind of go through there. And I found some great things by religious educators, by general authorities, and also even some student papers. There are some times where student symposium that a student has written an excellent paper that helps me think about a topic in a new way. And so some of those were included in here as well. I was actually really impressed at the resources that you chose to use. Like, even in your preface, you footnote the blog on (laughs) churchofjesuschrist.org. That's a resource that I know about and occasionally I look at, but I would never think to do research by looking at the blogs. And the particular one that I'm thinking of was written by President Eyring. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just as good as a conference talk. Right. And again, that's where I probably had an advantage by teaching living prophets. I'm really plugged into those things. And so I'm really good at like saving, pinning, you know, collecting on whichever platform I find it on, I save those things. And so rather than going out and digging for something, I would just kind of look through things that I've already saved because they I thought they were meaningful or instructional or whatever. And so I would find that goes really well with this topic. Okay. With that teaser, let's dive into your workbook, okay? Okay. So tell us how you organized it, first of all. The big organization is simply based on President Nelson's challenge, where he specifically said that he encouraged us to start with the topical guide and to read under the topic of Jesus Christ, including all 57 subtitles. So... That is the way that it's organized. If you look under Jesus Christ in the topical guide, it says see also and it lists 57 subtitles. And so the chapters are laid out one by one in order of each of those subtitles. The very first one is the one that's called summary, which is just kind of a walkthrough of the of main events in the life of Christ, but it's by no means comprehensive, right? It's just kind of some key things that would do that. And that's probably the biggest, most verse-heavy chapter, that first one. Kind of the Cliff Notes version. He's <laughs> yes. born. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he goes to the temple. He's uh, baptized in right. the River Jordan. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I did try to, and I did recreate in the appendix at the end, I created a chronological study of the life of Christ that's more complete than the summary, but it just kind of gives a pattern that you could follow and helps you to sort through the concordance of the gospels where the same story is is repeated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I kind of found the one that was the most robust and plugged that in. So you could go back and forth, back and forth between the gospels, but do a chronology of his life. So I did add that at the end so that it was a little more complete than just the summary section that the topical guide does. But then after that, 
it starts with the first subtitle is the Bible dictionary, where it's the word Jesus and the word Christ. And then from there, the life summary. And after that, we just start alphabetically with all of the subtitles under Jesus Christ from advocate all the way down to um, the last alphabetical one is types of Jesus Christ. And then there are there's a small handful, five chapters that were that took you outside of the Jesus Christ topical guide because it was listed under C also, and that's bread of life, cornerstone, God creator, Godhead, and God the Father Jehovah. That sounds overwhelming. But so I want to just say a disclaimer right here. This is a truly beautiful workbook. You look at it and you're like, I can do that. Part of that is not only the the topics that you've covered, but how you've compiled the workbook. So let's talk about the key that you have at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the workbook. The first symbol I have is a pencil. Right. So what is that telling us is included in this workbook? Okay. So in every chapter, which is a subtitle of the topical guide, I have created space where you can take notes. They're in the margins. There's some large chunks at the end of the chapter and things like that. So I want it to be something that you're doing and that you feel like you can freely do with a pencil in hand, marking things up, drawing arrows. My own copy, if you you were to look at this here... It just has tons of arrows out into the margins and making more making more notes and um, writing lots of things and then writing notes to myself at the end of the chapters where I think about things that I've thought about recently in sacrament meeting and it ties into what I've what I'm studying here and there's space for journaling and space for making notes for highlighting phrases that are important to you and making comments about them things like that so pencil. Yeah, lots lots of opportunities to write and think with a pencil. Okay, first I need to go back. One thing you did that was amazing was that you didn't just put, okay, here's the scripture reference. Here's the place to write. Here's all the other stuff I'm going to include. You had the scripture printed in the workbook. Yes. So we don't have to be flipping yes. <laughs> through the Bible, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, whatever. I saw that and I'm like, oh my gosh, she made it for the laziest of lazies, meaning me. Well, and it's not even just for laziness. It's just for convenience because then you like... You're not spending half of your time flipping and looking up references. Well, and it's not so disruptive either. And actually, my husband looked at that and he's like, oh, no, it's the King James Version. I can't read that. And I'm like, that's okay. You can look yours up Mm -hmm. in um, a version you like, which is and still use the workbook. But after we did this for a while, he's like. King James Version is fine because it is just so convenient to have everything just right there. Yeah. So we have the pencil and then you have, now this is interesting, you have that bubble. The thought bubble. Like the thought bubble. And I'm like, okay, that's obviously questions she's going to ask us. And I was totally prepared for them to be stupid questions. (laughs) I'm sorry to say that. No, I was totally thinking, okay, this is going to be like a primary question. (laughs) But... I haven't found a stupid question yet. I mean, thank you for doing that. Like, you must have spent hours and hours and hours thinking, okay, I'm not going to ask them something they've answered a hundred times, like, what does that verse say? Because they just read it, and that's self-evident what it says. Let me give them something that's new. Tell me about that process of thinking of the questions. How did you come up with something that was actually meaningful? 
I don't know how mm-hmm. I came up with them other than the fact that I would just pause whenever I felt something was meaningful and just kind of think through how it applies to me, how it applies to life, how it applies to challenges, how it applies to relationships, and tried to formulate a question that would help other people think in the same way. I wanted the questions to be generic enough that they can apply to a whole lot of different circumstances, but specific enough that they really do make you think about the surrounding verses and the principles being taught there. So we have some other things like prompts for family discussion or group discussion, suggestions for further study, which we'll come back to. And those are like the resources from the RSC or conference talks. And even some books as well. Oh, yeah. Things that are on my library at home. I I mean, I don't, I'm embarrassed to say that my research process was not very like go dig through archives. It was just everything that I have at hand and that I like to look at and refer to. So there's some of those as well. You have these quote marks for quotes that you've you've singled out. This whole podcast is true confessions. I'm sorry, listeners, if you had a high (laughs) opinion of me. But sometimes if I don't like want to do the studying, I'll just kind of flip through and look at the quotes because they're really interesting (laughs) (laughs) quotes and I figure this works you know this is learning about Christ oh yeah you don't have to convince me about reading quotes from general authorities as being scripture study because I'm in that camp at the beginning of the interview you said there are a lot of ways to study Christ to do scripture study in the preface you mentioned several ways you could not only study Christ, but that you could use this workbook. What are some of those different ways you could use it? Okay, well, there one of them, obviously, that I suggested, this will be no surprise, is to use that scripture citation index yourself, that if there's any verse that stands out to you, or, you know, that you like to go look it up and read talks about it. And I really think, man, if you take a verse that's meaningful to you and you went and read every single talk that's ever been, that's ever quoted that verse, you would have a whole new appreciation for it. And so there's, that's one powerful way. I just suggested different ways you could break up kind of the timeline. You could study a topic per week and really focus on that and look up every single one of the, of the, suggested resources for further study. That's the way I'm approaching it right now, not necessarily per week, but I'm going through each topic. I mean, I I wrote this over a year and a half ago, and now I'm studying it afresh again. And um, I'm learning things as I just kind of approach it more as a learner than as a writer. And so right now, just yesterday, I read the talk Premortality, A Glorious Reality by Neil A. Maxwell, because it was on my suggested list of talks after finishing my chapter about the anti-mortal Jesus Christ. That's one way, just like read every single thing and listen to those talks or read them and then kind of make notes about what you're learning about the whole topic. There's lots of opportunities to write, and some of the things you can write are questions. One of the things you can do is take your questions and research out answers to them. As, the, as those questions arise. And I love the idea of cross-referencing your scriptures and the talks and things like that. You can do that in your gospel library app. You can do it in your physical scriptures if you want, where you kind of make notes next to verses about talks that are good to go along with that verse or quotes or things like that. 
or vice versa in your gospel library app of your general conference talks you can make notes of scriptures that reinforce those talks as well and the main thing is is that i hope that the workbook leads to some kind of application right you know we've been taught many times that the true test of our gospel knowledge is what we do with it and so um, we can use the things that we study to set goals and application and practice those things and um, make it be something that helps us know how to change and improve in our quest to become more like the Savior. When I started looking at this workbook and I looked at the extra resources, ideas started flowing into my head because, uh, you know, being a lay leadership church there are so many opportunities for us to teach not only in our family and to teach ourselves but sometimes we're called to teach come follow me to the teenagers because somebody gets the idea you might be good with teenagers I don't know where that came from which is so difficult but I thought oh my gosh I could have you know used this teaching the class because you have all these resources I guess the point is I feel like there's so much longevity to this resource you mentioned that this is your second time through it and Uh maybe people who haven't written a book don't realize that yeah it's your baby but you actually do forget what you put in there yeah so that gets new again and that just could be my age in life but (laughs) have you found that as well you're like oh I didn't really remember that I used that resource absolutely like I said right now the section that I've been that I'm just finishing up is the anti-mortal appearances of Jesus Christ and right now where I am in my parenting, I have three teenagers and we're having a lot of conversations about agency and being forced to do things and making choices. And when I was studying this time around, which I wasn't necessarily thinking of when I wrote this section about the anti-mortal existence of Jesus Christ, I said appearances, but I meant existence. That's the one I'm studying right now. Appearances is next. But in that reading about him and who he was in the pre-existence has given me tons of promptings and insight into my parenting and the championship of agency and things like that and just also reminded me to trust in him that he is caring for all of these children and things like that and so I've had a lot of personal insight studying that chapter this time around that's very different from what things I was focusing on when I was gathering the material. And so I do I do think that, you know, even if I finish all the way through Z and go start again at A, I think I'll learn different things because I'll be at a different place. You've gone through this book once as a creator, once as a consumer, you're actually in the midst of it. What are your favorite parts of the book? So this week, it's the chapter I just said, the anti-mortal existence of Jesus Christ. But um, I'll tell you that when I was writing and compiling everything, the chapter that I loved the most, just because I had this unexpected spiritual experience, was the chapter called Jesus Christ, Glory Of. And as I read through all of the verses about the immense glory of the Savior, his power, his reach, his scope, the endlessness of I am, right? I just felt so much love for him. And I just felt like he, there is nothing he cannot do for me. Nothing. And that was just kind of, like I said, unexpected, beautiful experience where, in fact, the 
artwork that we picked for that chapter, I specifically said, I want this one in glory because it just represented to me what I felt when I was studying about the glory of Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. It makes me want to skip ahead to that <laughs> chapter. Go for it. There's no rules. <laughs> Stephanie, let's talk about that artwork that is in the book because it is fantastic. I love it. My only regret is that this isn't in color. Oh, that would have been wonderful. It would have been wonderful, but then it would have been $40. No, that would not have been That would not have been wonderful. And so we decided that pocketbooks were a little bit more important than beauty. (laughs) (laughs) I still love the layout and the artwork is black and white and I still love it, but it's beautiful in in color as well. Um, I feel like the artwork was kind of a blessing that was handed to me during the process because I wanted to have artwork, but as you know, copyright issues things make it hard to collect a whole bunch of art and just stick it in in your book but perhaps there was divine intervention in a google search one day I don't know but I came across the Brooklyn Museum of Art and they have a collection of the life of Christ paintings by James Tissot he was a French impressionist painter at the turn of the century right the 1800 1900 mark and he was he was a socialite painter he painted like upper class social scenes and that's what he made his career out of but he ended up having an illicit love affair with a woman who later died tragically and her death turned his world upside down and so he ended up having later a spiritual experience that really converted him to Jesus Christ and gave him hope in the resurrection and all of these different things. And he ended up traveling to the Holy Land and to all of these places and recreated scenes from the life of Christ and created, um, I can't remember the exact number, I could look it up in my own book, but at least 300, 300 to 400 watercolors of the life of Jesus Christ. The rights for those were given to the Brooklyn Museum um, for an exhibit that they had, and afterwards they made them available in the public domain. Oh, that's almost unheard of. And that is so it's amazing. Ama- and it was just amazing when I found them because I thought not only does it have all of these scenes that we can choose from from the life of Christ, but it gives a continuity that it's not. It didn't feel like I would have to find random clip art. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Can you, you imagine those stock photos or colored pictures? That's right. Like yeah, cartoonish. Right, and so it was just beautiful to have something that lent itself to really the fine arts, and I think it gives kind of a really cool glimpse into some stories of Jesus Christ from a little bit different faith perspective as well. You know, you've got the angels being portrayed in certain ways and, you know, there's a little bit of a different tradition to them. And I think it adds some real interest as well. I think listeners will be surprised, even if they don't recognize that name. Once you see the artwork, you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, it's familiar, yet still fresh. I love that. Yeah. So I'm going to play devil's advocate just a teeny tiny little bit. On this podcast, we talk about studying scriptures in context. Mm -hmm. And when we're going through the topical guide and looking up scriptures that reference Christ or the words of Christ, we're doing the opposite. So having done this, how do you feel that studying Christ out of context, can still be a wonderful, edifying experience, even though it may not be exactly what it meant 
It ends up being kind of a mishmash in that sense, but I think that it does lend itself to an understanding of the continuity of Christ throughout all scripture. So we look at, we see him as a presence in the Old Testament and in the Pearl of Great Price. We see him as obviously the central figure in the New Testament, and we see him as someone being testified of regularly and consistently throughout the Book of Mormon. And again, he's the voice in the Doctrine and Covenants and testifies of himself and teaches teaches of himself. And so with the workbook, including these testimonies from all four of standard works, in itself, it's a testament to the continuity of Christ in all scripture. That's one important element. And also just the acknowledgement or the confession that, as I said before, this is one way to study the scriptures. It's not going to be comprehensive and it should not be the only way that scriptures are ever studied. With our Come Follow Me and other things, we do things more contextually and in order um, consecutively in the events as they happened. And this workbook does not do that, although the appendix does give you the opportunity to do that with the life of Christ. But by looking at things topically, even though they're pulled out of context, I think it gives light to the repetition of certain principles and how often it's been taught about Christ in all of these different roles and functions. And as we see them all together, the patterns emerge, that thread of doctrine emerges of that which is true and consistently testified of throughout, which we may not recognize if it's more scattered in a sequential study of the whole Book of Mormon, for example. Not the answer for every way of study, but it does, I think, create a different perspective and a different way to process and digest what is being taught about Jesus Christ. Now that I've had you on the hot seat, I'm going to come back to being your biggest fan. Okay. <laughs> so I have to tell you my experience because it took a while for me to turn off that part of my brain. So I'm reading at the beginning of your workbook about the life of Christ and when Christ goes to the temple. That's like in the first 10 pages. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it gives gives the scriptures and I'm reading it. And in my head, I'm like going, okay, how realistic is this? Would this really have happened? Okay, what were the authors of the New Testament? What was, what was their big, you know, idea? And then I just stopped because I saw your little bubble, your question. <laughs> and it said, how can you be going about your father's business on a daily basis and I thought doesn't really matter what the original authors meant that's still a relevant question for my life right now so that's what I like about the workbook is doesn't really matter if that's exactly the words the application is relevant so thank you you're welcome I'm that makes me happy to hear that that was something that helped you think differently which is never a bad thing (laughs) (laughs) no never because I need lots of help you kind of alluded to this earlier but I'm going to give you one more chance just to talk about it what do you hope readers will gain from working through the study guide yeah I really hope that they'll gain exactly what President Nelson promised that they would gain which is an increased love for the Savior an increased awareness of him a growing relationship with him as an advocate, redeemer, friend, savior, all of the things that these scriptures claim that he is. And that as they study that, that they feel it, that they believe it, and that it 
changes the way that they approach him and that their trust and love for him grows. That really is the ultimate goal of any scripture. I don't have a unique goal that's mine. It's just the goal of scripture, the goal of prophets to come come unto Christ, to know him, to follow him, make covenants with him, keep those covenants. And all I've tried to do is gather as many resources as I can and put them all in one place so that it's a little bit easier to find him. That's beautiful. I need to, at the end of this podcast, just tell you thank you for being anxiously engaged and not waiting for a calling to do this, (laughs) to do it on your own. This workbook is like a magnet. Whenever I take it out, people you know, whether in my family or if I've taken it to church, they're like, what is in your hands? I showed it to my mom, spoiler alert to my siblings. She was wondering, what should I get for Christmas? And I'm like, let me show you something. Thank and you. she said, oh, that's delightful. So um, kudos for doing something that was needed for, for me because I never would have taken upon the challenge that I am now feeling like I can do. Thank you. Be sure to check out ldsperspectives.com to subscribe, catch up on past episodes, download transcripts, and find show notes. LDS Perspectives podcast is not affiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The opinions expressed represent the views of the guests or the podcasters alone. While the ideas presented may vary from traditional understandings or teachings, They in no way reflect criticism of LDS church leaders, policies, or practices.